Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Betty Berg, and I will be volunteering with the Vacation Bible School that starts on Tuesday. This is the fifth year that I'm doing it. My nursing experience was in pediatrics, so when I went searching for a project, a volunteer project, I chose working with the children. This year, I have eight uh, pre-K, three-and-a-half-year-olds that will be under my care. Parents, I know what you go through. I get to be mother, grandmother, hugger, and disciplinarian. I laugh, dry tears, and sing and dance with them. Being with them lifts my spirits. My name is Janiel Perez, and I will also be volunteering with the Vacation Bible School this week. And it's the third year that I'm able to participate, and it is the fifth year that we are holding a Vacation Bible School program here at Trinity. Now, I grew up in church, so I grew up going to VBS every summer, and it was so much fun, and you got to play with your friends and learn about Jesus and sing songs. And as I got older, I got to help out. As an older teen, I got to teach, and it was just so great. So now that I'm a mom, I jumped on the chance to come and volunteer again. Of course, here with Cindy, if you don't know her, everything she does is fantastic. So our program is so well thought out. And uh, this is also the second year that my son will be taking part. And it's really just special because these kids come in and they sing songs and they play games. And you get to see the joy of the Lord brighten their faces. And when it's your little boy who comes home singing, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world. And then he says, Mommy, I'm never going to die because I believe in Jesus. It is just so special. I, was, I am amazed at how eager the children are to learn the songs, the verses, and hear the stories. They have such intriguing, mind, uh, inquiring minds and want to know everything, and they learn about who God is and that he loves them. Once they're there, they don't want to leave. We have the blessing and the privilege of working with a group from Pennsylvania, a youth group that comes up, and they are on their way here today. There's 20 of them traveling today, and they join with us in teaching these children, and it's just a beautiful thing when you, people can come from different places and see the value that it is to teach our children about the love of Jesus. We also are going to be going into the book of Acts this year, so we are calling this our power surge, and the kids are going to learn about the stories when God zapped his people into action with his power. Parents, I'm putting you on alert. Get your Bibles out. Power Surge travels through the book of Acts, and there will be questions. <laughs> I encourage you also to reach out to be Christ's helping hands and find a service project this summer. Make it a group or family project. When you give, you are blessed in return. And we ask you, Trinity family, to pray this week. We have 50 little ones coming in to learn about the love of Jesus. So add them to your morning prayers as they are flooding in here that God would reveal himself to them in that special way that he does to children. 
Because even as little children, we are all loved by God and called to be saints. Our reading this morning is from the last book of Romans. Greet Priscilla and Achilla, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stashis. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send their greetings. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys did a great job with those names. Not an easy reading. Hey, we are um, rapidly approaching the end of this series, All Roads Lead to Romans. Uh, We've got this week and next week. And so just to just to kind of give you the the big, the broad lay of the land, we spent the first 11 chapters looking at the um, Paul's explanation of, of the gospel and what it, what it really means to be saved by, by grace through faith in Jesus. And then we, we've been looking for the last few weeks at the four chapters that Paul gives us on how to apply this gospel. How do we live out this new life that we have in Christ? And it took 11 chapters to, to explain the gospel. It only took four to talk about how to live it out. Because once you get it, it all really comes down to living a life of, of total commitment as you look at the mercy of God extended to you in Jesus. And so this morning, what we want to look at is what this life of total commitment, how it has played itself out in the lives of some others. Now, we heard this, we heard it after Trayvon Martin in Miami. Um, We heard it after Michael Brown in Ferguson. We heard it after Freddie Gray in Baltimore. We heard it after Eric Garner here in New York City. And now we're hearing it again after Philando Castile in Minneapolis and Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge. I don't know how many people I heard in CNN interviews or interviews on other news outlets where after each of these events, someone would, would stand up and say, um, we're going to make a difference now. This can't continue. We're, we're going we're gonna to do something to make a difference. We're not going to let these lives be lost for nothing. We're going to commit ourselves to making a difference. 
Now, obviously, I didn't plan it this way, but that's really what this text in Romans 16 is about. These are the names of men and women who made their lives count, who, who made a difference. These are the men and women who God died to save And in response to that death, in response to God's mercy in their life, they made their life worth saving. You see, we're not saved because we do good works, right? But we are saved, Paul says in Ephesians 2, in order to do good works. You see, our good works don't save us. God saves us to do good works. And that's what we see in these verses of Romans 16. I'd like for us to look at these folks who made their lives count and see if, as we go through this list, if, if you see yourself in there. Romans 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. I want you to notice Phoebe was both a deacon and a benefactor. Um, The Greek word for deacon is diakonos, and it literally means servant. And so Phoebe was a deacon in this church. She was a servant in this church in in Centuria. We have deacons in our church. And what deacons do is they give of themselves. You saw on the screen Vicki and Betty and and Debbie, who are are deacons of prayer ministry. They give of themselves their time and their energy to to oversee this ministry. We've got deacons who serve on Welcome and Connect. We've got... um, I don't know, we got benevolence deacons, we got mercy deacons, we got all kinds of deacons who are giving of themselves in service. And that's what Phoebe did in her church in Centria. And also, she was a benefactor, which means that she funded people, including Paul. She gave of her financial resources so that the cause of Christ could go forward. Phoebe made her life count. For the cause of Christ by giving of her time and her energy and her finances. Is that you? Are you making your life count in those ways? Verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Incidentally, did you know that there are only two couples mentioned in the New Testament um, that are mentioned together? you know who they are? Priscilla and Aquila. And who's the other one? Okay, let me, let me cl- clarify my question a little bit. Um, okay, three couples. <laughs> Mary and Joseph, Priscilla and Aquila, Ananias and Sapphira. All right? You probably don't want to emulate the last two, right? Because they got killed because they did some bad stuff. Anyway, um, but Priscilla and Aquila, 
you do want to emulate. If you want to read about them sometime, you can look at Acts chapter 18 and see how they moved and ministered in a number of different places, sometimes with Paul, sometimes without him. They apparently started out in Rome. They went to Corinth, then to Ephesus, and who knows where else until now they're back in Rome as Paul includes them in this greeting. And do you know what their profession was? They were tent makers. Why? So they were always on the move. They did not have permanent dwellings. They made tents because they lived in tents because they were always moving for the cause of Christ. Let me ask you a question, and don't raise your hands. Are you in New York City because God called you here? Or simply because Goldman Morgan Chase Stanley called you here? Are you here because of career, or are you here because of the cause of Christ? And when you leave, will you leave because of lifestyle choice? You want a backyard and a dog and a grill? I I miss my grill. (laughs) Or will you leave because God calls you to leave? If we are going to make our life count like Priscilla and Aquila, the cause of Christ needs to be our first concern. And when you look at verse 4, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Do you see what they did? They risked. Um, the, The things of this world were not all that important to them. They're like Moses, who Hebrews tells us regarded disgrace for the cause of Christ as as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Listen, have your career, you know, make make your millions, uh, eat a pint of Haagen-Dazs if you want, but do it all in the context of, of trying to make a difference for the cause of Jesus. Take a risk, just like Priscilla and Aquila, and make your life count for something eternal. Verse 5, greet my dear friend Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Evidently, here's a guy who is now worshiping in Rome, but he came to faith while he was in Asia. And what strikes me as significant here is that even when he's away from home, he's living for Jesus. How many of you, when you travel, kind of let things slide? You don't have your, you know, your support around you. You don't have your friends around you. And you say, well, nobody knows me here, so I can do this. Epineta said, no, 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 no. I'm going to live for Jesus wherever I am. Verse 6. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. And then look down in verse 12. 
Greek Tryphena and Tryphosa. Twins, I think. Um, Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Friends, I could stand up here for probably an hour listing off the names of the women who work hard in the Lord in our church. From the three you saw in the prayer ministry to, to the women who care for our, our children, from, from the women who are our benevolence deacons. From, I mean, we could just go, I could just start listing names. We have so many women who are working behind the scenes and men who are working behind the scenes to make a difference for the cause of Jesus. How many of you know the names of the the men and women who are working with our our children in Bright Beginnings and in in God Quest? There's like a handful of you who know their names. If I had them stand up, would you be able to identify them? Some more nodding their heads. Most of us would say, I, no, I wouldn't know. You know what? God knows. Because they are pouring themselves out into the lives of our children. They're doing stuff behind the scenes. They're making their lives count for the cause of Christ. They're the Tryphena and Tryphosa and Persis and Marys of our church. Verse 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives, they're Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Who are these two? And what does it mean that they are outstanding or literally noteworthy among the apostles? When you think of the, the, the apostles, who do you think of? Peter, Paul, John, James, those guys, right? The 12. Um, the, the Greek word for apostle here is the word um, apostolos, which is used in the New Testament in both a broad and a narrow way. Most of the time, it is used of the 12 that we think of as apostles. But There are a few times when the word is used simply to mean a messenger of the gospel. In Acts 14, the word is used of both Paul and Barnabas. In 2 Corinthians 8, there are two unnamed men who are called apostles of the church. Um, In Philippians 2, Paul calls it. Uh, Epaphroditus and an apostolos in First or First Thessalonians two, he calls Silas and Timothy apostolos, and here in Romans sixteen he calls Andronicus and Junia apostolos. The point is, most of the time the word apostolos refers to um, refers to the twelve, but there are other times when the word is used to refer to others, meaning that they are sent ones. They are sent out to proclaim the gospel. They are evangelists. So these Andronicus and Junia are noteworthy messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ, and that's what Paul is praising them for. But I want you to notice something else that's at the end of verse 7. 
And I think this is significant. It says they were in Christ before I was. Paul is saying these two knew the truth of Jesus before I did. And you might be able to infer that because they were in prison with Paul, that, that they somehow mentored Paul, that they somehow brought Paul along because they were a little older in the faith than Paul was. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that happened. But I think the principle that is here is an important one. All Christians need three people in their lives. And Tim Tien talked about this last summer. We all need a Paul in our lives. We all need a Barnabas in our lives, and we all need a Timothy in our lives. We all need a a Paul, someone who's a little bit older in the faith, someone who's down the road a little bit further who can mentor us. We need a Barnabas, somebody who's about where we are, who can, who can encourage us and support us and, and challenge us and hold us accountable. And we all need a Timothy. We need somebody that we're building into. Somebody who's not quite as old in the faith as we are, and, and we're giving of ourselves and investing in them. Who did Paul look up to? Andronicus and Junia, they were in Christ before him. They are his older brother and sister in the faith. In his his own words, they are outstanding among the apostles. I think Paul learned some things from these guys, from from this couple. My guess is that there are a lot of us here who are interested in being Timothys, Right? Most of us want somebody building into us. My guess is that, that most of us haven't really, didn't really grow in our faith until we had someone come alongside of us and really invest in us personally. I mean, you may, may have gone to church as I did. You may have, you know, grown up learning some head stuff. But it wasn't until somebody came along and started really investing in you that you began to grow in your faith. We all want that. We, we want to be a Timothy. But how many of you are looking for your Timothy? How many of you are, are looking to be a Paul to someone else. You see, there's always somebody who's not quite as far along in the faith as we are. And we need to be looking to build into them. Andronicus and Junia did that. They made a difference. Look at um, verse 8. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. And then if you go to the second part of verse 9. And my dear friend Stachus, let me check your um, Bible knowledge here. Who knows Hushai? Who knows who Hushai the Archite is? Anybody? Hushai the Archite. Come on. Okay, Hushai the Archite is this 
obscure guy in the Old Testament. He's, in, he's found in 2 Samuel 15 and 2 Samuel 16. And in both places, it tells us that he was a friend of David. That's Hushai's claim to fame. He's a friend of David. And here, Paul is singling out um, Ampliatus and Stachys, and he's saying, these are my dear friends. You see, there is a place for a Phoebe, a servant, a, a, a deacon, and a benefactor. There is a place for an Epinatus who was faithful wherever he was, for, for Mary who worked behind the scenes, for Andronicus and Junia who were mentors. But there is also a place for Stachys and Ampliatus. These are the people who come alongside of you. And they're just your friend. They're the ones who, who know the good, the bad, and the ugly about you and still love you. Do you have a stachus in your life, an ampliatus in your life? Or a better question is, are you a stachus or an ampliatus to someone else? Are you a dear friend who comes alongside and encourages and supports and challenges? We don't want to skip over Urbanus. He's in, he's in the beginning of verse 9. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. I, I think Paul, because Paul uses this word "our," I think Paul is holding up Urbanus as a team player. He's saying, "This guy, he's there. He, he's working for the good of the whole, whatever needs to be done. Verse 10. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. The Greek literally reads, greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. The Greek word for approved is dokimatso, and it means to faithfully carry the load. Paul says, greet this brother because he's been there, he's done that, and he has come through with flying colors. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he said, do your best to, be, to present yourself to God as one dokimatso, approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Is that you? Have you been tested and approved by Christ in what you do? Are you making your life count? Look at the middle of verse 10. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Being in the household of someone meant that you were either a slave or a servant in that household. And slaves and servants were on the bottom rung of the, the social ladder. What Paul is saying here is that in, in the body of Christ, there is no... Um, hierarchy. There, there's no one more important 
in the body of Christ. No matter where you are in the social order, um, God knows who you are. And God exalts you. Friends, there are, there are folks among us who are on various rungs of the social ladder, if you will. But in God's economy, it doesn't matter. If you're making your life count for the cause of Christ, God knows who you are. Verse 13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Anybody know who Rufus is? Come on. You guys are killing me today. Rufus is spoken of in Mark chapter 15. Here's what it says in Mark 15, starting in verse 20. And when they mocked him, Jesus, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Now, why would Mark, incidentally, who wrote his gospel to the Romans, why would Mark write why would he mention in his gospel that Simon, who bore the cross of Jesus, was the father of Alexander and Rufus? Because those two boys became Christians who grew to be prominent in the Roman church. Alexander was a, a first century martyr, and Rufus is here referred to as chosen in the Lord. Simon of Cyrene became a Christian, stayed in Jerusalem for Pentecost. He led his sons to Christ. They went to Rome. And this son, Rufus, became a chosen man of the Lord. So parents, if you feel like in raising your child, you are bearing the cross of Jesus, which sometimes it feels like. You keep going because you don't know what impact that is going to have on your kid. He or she may turn out to be a Rufus. And I want you to also notice what happened to the wife of Simon. Verse 13, and his mother, Rufus's mother, who has been a mother to me too. I love that. One day... This woman's son, Rufus, brings home a friend whose name happens to be Paul. And Paul hangs out around the table and, and hangs out. And as he spends time with Rufus, he's spending more time over at Rufus's house. And Rufus's mother pours into Paul and loves on Paul to the point that Paul gets to the place where he says, she's been a mother to me too. So moms and dads, when your kid is bringing a friend over for dinner, you love on them well. You love on your, your kid's friends well because you may have 
a future Apostle Paul raid in your refrigerator. <laughs> and that's an awesome thing. Make your time with the friends of your kids count. Verse 14, greet us syncretists, Philagon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. We don't know what these folks are doing, but somehow they're on Paul's radar. Maybe they're leading Bible studies in the workplace. Maybe they're just sharing their faith with their friends. Maybe they're holding neighborhood barbecues where they're talking about Jesus. We don't know. But whatever it is, they're making their lives count. Verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. Turn to, one another, turn to the, your neighbor and lay one on them. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Some of you are going, yeah, (laughs) finally. (laughs) Greet one another with a holy kiss. In other words, the end. Why have we spent all morning looking at these mostly obscure people? Because most of us are obscure. We are all people who have been saved by a God who sought us out and gave his life for us. And so the question is, are you living a life worth saving? As these people of Romans 16 did. Are you being faithful to the charge that the one who died for you called you to? And view of God's mercy, brothers and sisters. Live your lives. Give your lives in total commitment. Are you being faithful like Phoebe, who gave herself and her resources to further the cause of Christ? Are you being faithful like Priscilla and Aquila, who took risks for the sake of Christ and moved where he wanted them to move? Are you being faithful like Epinatus, who had integrity in his Christian life wherever he was, faithful like Mary and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Persis, women who work hard behind the scenes, faithful like Idronicus and Junia, who have been down the road a bit and are willing to, to give of themselves and build the gospel into the lives of those who are a little younger in the faith. Faithful like those in the households of Aristobulus and Narcissus, slaves and servants, who though they were on the bottom of the social order, were still active in the body of Christ. Faithful like Urbanus, the team player who gave himself for the greater good. Faithful like Stachus and Ampliatus to be a dear friend. Faithful like Apelles to to be a workhorse that you can throw anything at and he'll come out approved. 
faithful like those of verse 15 who simply plug away where they are for the cause of Christ? Are you making your life count for the cause of Jesus? Are you in this list? Did you see yourself in there? If you did, then praise God. And just keep praying that the Lord will enable you to to keep doing what he's called you to do in those ways. If you didn't see yourself in this list, then it's not too late. You can still be there. You just need to ask the Lord, Lord, where would you cause me? Where would you have me to make a difference? What would you have me do that would bring about your glory and your justice and your righteousness and your peace? Friends, simply be faithful with what God has given you, where he has placed you. And though you may feel obscure and maybe underappreciated, take heart because God knows who you are. Make your life count for the one who died for you. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, help us to be faithful people. Help us not to be, I don't know, uh, reactors. Or something happens like what happened this week and we get all fired up and we get all emotional and we want to do something and we're going to make a difference. But then a few weeks go by and it falls off our radar and, and we don't do anything. Lord, we want to represent you every day, every day, every day. We want to be faithful to what you've called us to. And I thank you for this list of people that, that demonstrated faithfulness. And I pray that we would be those people. And if you are, whatever it is that you're calling each of us to, I pray that we would step into it with gusto. we would stay at it and stay at it and stay at it. Lord, I pray that we would live lives worthy of the death that you gave to save us. For your name's sake, amen.